Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about building self-discipline. We love discipline as a conversation and a topic, and it's something that's really I guess, important to be able to develop, whether it's through fitness or business or relationship or study, like there's so many different areas of life that we need to flex our willpower muscle or develop a little bit of grit and self-discipline. So we're excited to jump in today and talk about what self-discipline actually means and just have a bit of a chat about some of the areas that it's shown up for us. Yeah. And it's so important to bring this up. I mean, even looking back in my old captions that I used to write on my post, you know, when competing, it was all about discipline, discipline, discipline. And, and discipline was seen sort of back then to be a really harsh word or harsh uh, habits that you do and actions. But it can also be the discipline to rest, the discipline to play. And we want to make clear today that discipline is different to punishment. Often the lines can be blurred um, because, you know, there are some similar things between the two. However, we need to really take a step back and say, hmm, is this discipline now or am I just sort of punishing myself? So we're going to explore that today. I think as well, like a lot of the quotes that you do see online, right, they are preaching discipline from such a firm place. And that's not necessarily wrong. But like what you said, Daddy, it's obviously resonated with us. We're like in our younger years when we're just getting started, especially in fitness. Like it's usually a lot of people's entry point for developing self-discipline. But what we're going to talk about today is like the difference between discipline in general and punishment and um, what's the other word, like accountability and mm. ownership, like that sort of stuff and how that's different to self-discipline, right? Which is something we want to really dive into because we've heard of lots of different words like self-ownership, self-leadership, self-awareness, right? Self-discipline. And they all start with the word self, right? Whereas a lot of people say ownership, discipline, like, and they're different. They're very different to doing the hard thing yourself and making those decisions for yourself. And I think it's really important to highlight that anyone that achieves amazing things or reaches success or accomplishes their goals, it has to be self-discipline because you have to take that ownership upon yourself and push you to that next level. Because usually when you're going to that next level, you're pushing yourself there on your own. Like no one's there pulling you or holding your hand or or being there to hold you accountable. It's not the way it is, right? That's traditional Mm. discipline. So we're going to talk today about, yeah, self-discipline and how we've practiced it. I think uh, fitness is, you know, the number one place where people sort of, they want to set a goal and they are, okay, I want to lose X amount of weight or I want to be this strong or I want to go to the gym this many times. So I think we can all relate. And obviously being here on our podcast, we can all relate to a time where we've had a fitness goal and we've needed to apply discipline. I remember back in the day, it was waking up super early sometime, super early for me, 5am or even sometimes 4.30, you know, I'd sleep in my gym clothes from the night before just to make sure I'd be up and out the door um, to go to the gym or, you know, hiring a coach for that discipline and and to help me learn those behaviours. It's really important uh, for a fitness goal. It doesn't have to be extreme like that. Naturally, my brain, even now, just thought, oh, discipline was getting up early and all that. But no, actually, discipline was just all of those actions that led to an outcome that 
unfortunately at the time meant to get up super early, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, So yeah, even now I just find myself putting discipline in the extreme box, but I I still need to catch myself out, right? Mm. Well, is there a way, Danny, that you practice discipline that isn't extreme, like on a subtle, gentle way throughout the day? Um, Regarding fitness, you mean? In general, any area. Oh, well, now I'm, look, it just depends on where I'm at in terms of goals. I mean, sort of back then it was competing, studying, putting, you know, go, 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 very masculine energy. But now Mm. I'm like, cool, I've done all those things. My discipline right now is to, like what I, my example was then, to not always be so extreme and say, hey, I can still get the things done, but it doesn't have to be a detriment to my health or time or social life. So I think for now, my discipline is just fine tuning my routine to still be able to get the things done, but but do it in a way that's a little bit softer and, you know, mm. that relaxing energy and feminine energy. I don't regret any of that. It was epic, you know, got all the things done, but now I'm like, hmm, I don't really need that form of discipline. So I feel like it's it's changing, but I need to practice a different form because you just go back to old habits, old mindsets, old actions and labels on things. Um, so it's a work in progress. Absolutely. And it almost sounds like, Danny, like you've gone from traditional discipline, which usually has like a scare tactic or a punishment or a fear-based motivator attached to it. So for example, comp prep, it's like you're getting on stage and a lot of people are going to be looking at you like that's almost a bit of like a fear-based consequence, you know, if you don't do the thing that you're holding yourself accountable to. Whereas when you develop uh, self-discipline from a place of wanting to be your best self, you almost have to adopt a little bit of compassion towards it as well and have that self-compassionate piece come in and find that balance and I think we all go through it as well where at the start of any goal we do come in with traditionally how we've been taught to look at discipline through the lens of punishment right like in school if you didn't do your homework like what happened you know it's about realizing that we're conditioned to think this way so it's only natural that we adopt it into our goals but self-discipline and self-compassion they go hand in hand you can't really have one without the other otherwise if we have too much discipline too much push all of the time like you said it can come across as like very like aggressive and masculine towards your energy whereas we want to be able to have that balance and know like when we need to pull back because that's what we need to do in order to be able to make sure we can be consistent in the long run and develop behaviors just like anything else but the thing I love about self-aware awareness, self-discipline, self-compassion, like all of these mindset things, they are trainable and teachable, just like a growth mindset, something we've spoken a lot about. We're, I guess, born with like a negative bias or a fixed mentality towards things from an evolutionary standpoint. And we have to practice some of these things to be able to adopt a growth mindset or self-discipline or self-compassion. We have to naturally practice it, right? Time and time again, until it becomes our default way of thinking. And that's why I think um, like for a lot of people stepping into the fitness space for the first time, it's, it's probably one of the first opportunities that they've had to be able to start looking after themselves, to start uh, practicing willpower in a really gentle um, and productive and beneficial way, like looking after their health and fitness as a whole. Sometimes, right, like we can all take it too far. And we have absolutely where we take that self-discipline piece way too far and it's sort of like must get this done. Otherwise, what? Like nothing, nothing's actually going to happen, but we can sort of manifest that in our mind. So that's why I think fitness is a great opportunity to be able to like practice choosing the wrench or choosing the hard thing to do. 
Yeah, that's so good. I mean, and and what you said for manifesting it in your mind, we often make the consequences a lot greater than what they are. I mean, for someone to start off in the fitness industry, you get to the point in your life where you don't feel good about yourself or you might have a health scare or you're just bored with your life and want to start something. So I feel like the entry point a lot of the time is off something negative and fear-based. You know, I don't want to get more sick or I know I, I want to, whatever your reason is. Um, so often people's starting points can be quite fear-based and then we mm. just don't, I mean, Fear, it creates action. Fear and anxieties, they create action because there's energy to burn. You use that energy. But then it's really important to not let that take you away for your whole time that you're doing the thing, going to the gym, training. Like at the start, use it as a superpower. I feel shit about myself, so I'm going to join a gym. How often do we hear that? All the time. You know, that's no one ever says, oh, I feel amazing. I love how I look and feel in my skin and all that. I'm going to join a gym. Mm -hmm. Very rare. Very, very rare. So use that. It's okay. We've all been there. However, along the way, try and catch yourself out on that language, what you're labeling yourself, what you're labeling the consequences. You know, Mm -hmm. no one will like me if I'm not this, that, or I don't fit in. I don't have catch yourself out on that bullshit and go, no, I'm here to better myself. I might not be where I am right now, but these Mm -hmm. are the steps. So turn it objective. These are the steps I need to take in order to get my goal. Mm, Absolutely love that, Danny. Nail on the head. I think um, I I did one of those, a lot of you guys probably saw it, one of those um, anonymous Q&A boxes the other day. (laughs) So good. That was so much fun. Um, I I literally did like, I don't know, 10% of them. Like they were insane. I was like, oh, my God, some of these, like when people don't know, right? And, guys, you know you can actually pay on the app to see who does it. So be careful. It's a free app that you can download to connect to get anonymous questions. But it's like upgrade to the pro version, you know. Wait, who pays? We pay or the people viewing can pay? I I would pay to see who uh, submitted. Oh, God. So be careful when you're doing those. Not that anyone would ever pay. Like, who actually- I would. What is it? How much is it to have a look? I didn't click on it. I was not like, even worth it. There's no, there's always a catch. There's always a catch. Nothing's ever to, um, for free, guys. But <laughs> one of the questions that actually rolled in was, um, and I really liked it. It was along the lines of a lot of people talk about having a strong why when it comes to competing. Mm. Uh, do you ever feel like it's not from a vain place? Like, or does it always come back to, um, you know, being about yourself and being about how you look and your worth, et cetera? And it was a really good question because you know how a lot of people on the internet and they're like, know your why, you must know your why. I'm thinking, you tell me your why. Why are Mm. you doing it? Like, what's your why? You know, they come up with some bullshit, like why that's (laughs) like, I want to, I don't know, get rid of plastic in the world. Who knows what they come up with? That's but not was, that bullshit. But. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, in, in terms of competing. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was like, I don't know what my why would be if someone asked me why I compete, oh. but I think it always comes back to yourself, right? And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing because we should all have personal goals. And it made me think like a lot of people that step on stage 
like even though it's a sport that's based on body composition, they're not doing it for their body. They're doing it to feel strong, to feel confident, to feel accepted, to have a sense of community, yep. um, to be able to work towards a goal, to practice discipline. They love that sort of gritty feeling and that's why competitors get on stage. So mm-hmm. when we actually zoom out and go, the goal's never the goal, just like the problem's never the problem. The thing we're working towards, we're always working towards a feeling or an emotion rather than a result. It can help you foster self-discipline because it's like oh well I don't want to do this hard thing and it's like oh, I'm actually doing this because I like to do the hard thing so you can reframe it in your mind um, and it just made me reflect on self-discipline and the types of people that do different types of extreme or disciplined sports yeah yeah and I remember like what two years ago when we started the podcast or more we were trying to get your why out of you and you still didn't know back then. So one oh, day. What episode was I that? I remember. No, it wasn't an episode. We were just oh. chatting like, yeah, before we were about to record a podcast, we were talking about whatever we were. Um, and then I was, yeah, trying to get it out of you. and But, mm-hmm. yeah, it just didn't happen. And that's fine. And and when you mentioned that, I'm, I'm looking back now and hindsight. What, someone said hindsight is always 2020 vision, um, which it so is because you can sort of, have a look at your whys when looking back so if I'm to look at my wife for competing I would be able to label it now but then when you're in the moment or before what would you you label it as everything that you listed community Mm. acceptance you know validation saying you're going to do something and then doing it all of those Mm. things wrapped in one it was it was nothing to do with the stage but those actions allowed me to feel like I was relevant and I was someone and I was wanted and accepted um but at the time, I didn't feel like I was lacking any of those things. So if if someone had said, what's your why? I'd say, I don't know. It seems like something fun to do. Like I wasn't missing anything, but it just really heightened everything else as I was going along. I'm like a bit of a roller coaster ride. You get the adrenaline. You're, you're just on your, yeah, you become a completely different part of yourself. And there's no way I would have been able to find my why um, looking forward, only in hindsight. That's just me. I mean, you get people, again, who can say, yes, I, I do feel a little bit lonely or I want a community or I want a challenge. And that's fine. And that can be your why there. But it's going to change as you go along because yeah. you can't actually predict um, how you're going to change and evolve and all of that until you're right in it or on the other end of it. Yeah, really well said. Like, I love hindsight. It's always in hindsight that you can see the the deeper reasoning because you're not pushing through anything. You're not in the depths of it. So, yeah, hindsight's a fantastic thing. And I think there's just a bit of stigma. There's two things with that. Like, I think there's a bit of stigma with people that do um, anything that might be, I guess, perceived by someone as external validation. Like what you said, like anything that's aesthetic-based, people go, oh, they must be up themselves or they must be arrogant. But if you actually reframe that and go, actually, a lot of those people are lonely and they just want connection. Like it allows you to have empathy and compassion for some of those people rather than thinking, oh, that big guy that's jacked up, like he must be a meathead on steroids. Like a lot of people have that personality um attachment to those people and you know when I used to train at like a hardcore bodybuilding gym some of the biggest guys like they were so lovely you would speak to them and you're like oh it's just a gentle giant you know but if you saw a photo of them on the internet or a training video you'd be like ah like you know very very scared or or pulled back or not speak to them and it's sort of like well when we realize that people don't uh, work towards a result they actually work towards an emotion or a feeling um it can allow you to have that deeper level of like a awareness and empathy for that individual but I love that you mentioned that Danny because I think a lot of people that step away from the sport I don't like how they shame 
other people or they shame the experience um, Mm. in itself. Like I love that people come to their own realisation, their own reflections of it, but there's no such thing as mistakes in every chapter like serves a reason and we get so much from it. So I think when we ever look back with regret, right? Like I don't think that we truly can until we're at the end of our life, right? Maybe. But when we're early on, like, we shouldn't regret anything because you've developed a huge level of resilience, self-discipline, leadership, um, like experience for business, fitness, relationships, like everything, you know, to put you to where you are. So I think regardless of what it is, whether it's like a chapter in your life with sporting or competing or relationships or uh, a career change, like whatever it is, we should never be really regretting any of those, those pathways that we chose. Yeah, I love that. And that's so important. I mean, as you said, it's great to step away from something, whether it be getting on stage or just anything that you're doing in your life. But you need to remember, you did that thing for a reason. That time of your life was there to help protect you. And it might not have come from the best place possible, but that's what you needed at the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in that position. No one forces anyone to do anything or they shouldn't anyway, you know, and particularly when it comes to fitness and getting on stage and all of that, we do that at our, at our own will. So mm. it's easy to look back and say, yeah, probably regret jumping on stage. or I regret joining that gym or why did I spend so much effort on my body composition and all that? But that's what you needed at the time. And just be compassionate to yourself, mm-hmm. but also reward yourself for being able to look back and go, wow, that was a bit of a shit show. Okay, I did it. I'm ready to change and move on. Just be compassionate about it and and look forward and that's it. Like it's fine. Yep. Really good point. And that's why that self-compassionate piece has to go with self-discipline. We have to. It's what gives us insight. It's what gives us awareness. It's what gives us wisdom if we can get curious about the things that we've done. But something that comes up in a coaching context for me quite often is when I chat with like new clients or new potential clients, they'll say, um, you know, when I ask them for almost their why, of like what they want that like first and foremost usually they don't know at the start um they think they know like i just want to lose some fat or whatever it is right that's the the outside lens for you to go okay well what from a strategy do i need to provide but then it you should get curious because of all the things we've just spoken about about what they actually are coming to you for but something that does come up for me quite a lot is like accountability and something on the inside <laughs> for me dies a little bit when someone says they're coming to me for accountability because i get it right? Like we all need timelines. We all need things to anchor to. We all need to feel accountable in some way. But I think when you put the word self in front of it, you can get ownership and you can get sustainability and you can get empowerment, you know, like you're empowered for your own shit. And I think that that is so liberating when we can do that. Like no one is holding me accountable. No one. And I say that with like a bit of fire in me. Oh yeah. Because I think it's, um, it's so important rather than seeking external accountability all of the time. Like I just want someone to tell me what to do and to hold me accountable like no 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 like you can you know you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink and I think that's the exact same way with you and your goals so it's always I don't know do you get that Danny every every interview accountability accountability Accountability. I'm like I don't I want to say I don't do that like but I know (laughs) it's not helpful because I know that people come into coaching wanting accountability Uh, you might give structure and you know processes and show them a little bit of of like how to, I guess, um, have that routine about it. But then there comes a time where you step back and go, okay, you've got to do this now on your own. Yeah. Yeah. At the start, they come to you, they're excited. They're going to listen to everything that you say and all of that, but a good coach and 
is someone who teaches the skills. As you said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Teach them how to drink. Is that, yeah, <laughs> whatever that the, the follow-up part to that saying is, teach them how to do it themselves. But a lot of people don't have that in them. So, you know, yes, we hear it often, but it's for a reason because there's common mm. themes in human behavior. When someone's trying to make a change, they wouldn't be reaching out if they knew how to do it on their own. So yes. we sort of, yeah, need to take them in. But then it's really awesome that you like, well, that we are able to then provide an environment where they can learn the skills because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to take someone on, just spoon feed them everything. They get good results, whatever, but then they leave and then it all goes back to how it was. Like that's mm-hmm. not, that's just very old school way of coaching. And um, yeah, so with the accountability, um, it's okay to not have it at the start, but then, yeah, people need to just take ownership with the help of their coach to learn those skills to yep. then, you don't have to apply everything for the rest of your life, but take the key points and make that as part of your habits and um, yeah, self-discipline going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, like we can learn these things as skills. It's okay if you don't have them at the start, but I think the goal should always to be rather than wanting external accountability, like trying to be like, how can I create self-discipline? That's what we really need to be asking ourselves. But I totally understand like no one's going to like know that straight up at the start of their, their fitness journey. And I was um, even a while ago when I was doing a, uh, a workshop, I was at Eugene's workshop uh, for personal trainers. There was a lot of gym floor PTs there and I was just getting curious about, I was like, oh, how's your business model work? What do you guys do? Like, how do you, how do you integrate this? And do you have an online component? Like I was just getting curious and I was we were talking about programming for this specific day. And I was asking one of the trainers, I was like, if you train a client once a week, how do you apply progressive overload? How do you like follow a program if they're only training to you once a week and they might be doing other sessions? Like, how does that actually work? And they were saying, oh, you know, sometimes clients do just need accountability and they it's not really about progressive overload and, you know, following a structured program, et cetera. And I was like, oh, okay, of course. Like, you know, I just mm. don't work a lot with that um, type of clientele. But then I was like, yeah, like that's also the difference, right? Like there's something about having accountability to having your 6 a.m. PT waiting for you at the gym. Like you've booked that appointment, you know, you've got to go there. You've set a time frame. You don't want to let someone else down. You're paying for the service, another form of accountability. There's lots of layers to it. Whereas I guess to go to an online environment, you really do need self-discipline. Mm. You need to be able to rock up to your training on your own. You need to be able to ask for help, ask the questions, reach out, show up, check in on your own and do those uh, extra things that allow you to have that um, long-term sustainable approach. And eventually, which we always speak about, you know, spread your wings and do it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your reflections on when you talk to gym floor PTs, just because you've created your own amazing niche group of people that you work with, which is still a large capacity, but then it's almost humbling to remember Mm. some people just want to wake up and if they get out the door to the gym, that's the win. Whatever happens in the gym, it doesn't matter to them. They're just wrapped that they got up and they went there. Um, But sometimes I've even had to, with my clients, I've noticed them sort of change over the time or maybe I've sort of taken on the wrong client. And you do that when you're starting out, particularly moving from face-to-face to online model. I went through a phase where I was still probably taking on people who just needed face-to-face. So it it got to a point where I had a discussion with some of them. Hey, we've gotten some good goals here, but you know, you're dropping off. You know that they need face-to-face. Was it the accountability? I referred out. I'm like, I think maybe it's Mm. time for you to go back to, you know, a group training class I've even said, or 
go mm. with your friend to the gym or because I just noticed that they were lacking lacking that accountability and, mm. and I tried my best to facilitate what I could but then at the end of the day particularly coming out of lockdown everyone was just so lonely um they they just wanted to be social and go out and drink and do all that I'm like well if you want to hang out with your mate just try and go to the gym together too you know what I mean like that's fine so yeah people go through waves um mm. So your, your accountability and your discipline, even though it's external, but even just going to the gym with someone or mm-hmm. going to the gym once a week. So with a friend, with a coach, it's it can be a little bit overwhelming um, to come into like one of our programs um, where everything's pretty regimented and we know what we're doing and we get amazing results with people. But then again, we have to look out externally to the population and say not a lot of people need it that are outside of our world. Yeah, absolutely. Accountability and compliance is uh, every coach's and trainer's single biggest obstacle, right? Like, Because it doesn't matter how good your training program is or how much knowledge you've got or how good you are of a coach if you can't get your clients to do the things. So it's... It's, um, it's your role to figure out how to do that. And as I said, like you can lead someone to water, but you can't make them drink. And that's the, the hard truth when it comes to an online space. Like, of course, we're all going to fall down. And don't get me wrong. Like I use accountability externally. Absolutely. I'll say, Luke, come for a walk with me. Or like mm-hmm. Maddie, come to the gym with me. Or like sometimes you need that extra push so you know how to use that. Um, but there's always going to come a time where that's not there. And there's always going to come a time where there's temptation and you've got to um, show willpower and flex that muscle as well. There's always going to come that time as well. So I'm saying that you can get good results with accountability, but you to get to that next level, to get great results, to get to your, your greatest potential, which not everyone wants to, I totally accept that. You need a level of self-discipline. You need it. It's a, it's a really solid skill to be able to develop. And I think um, when we look at like the areas that we've even highlighted, like fitness, study, habits, business, relationships, there's always going to be opportunities in your everyday life where you can practice self-discipline like how can I choose the harder path you know maybe we have a rep range to eight to ten I'm not going to stop at eight I'll do the ten like how can we just push ourselves that little bit further in the safest in most enjoyable beneficial way you know where we are respecting things like self-compassion and tuning in and understanding well what what's my current reality my situation etc but I sometimes I do this a bit more with relationships and just like things around the house I'm like I'll take the bits out I'll wash the dishes I'll do I'll put my washing away straight up I'll make the bed in the morning I'll floss my teeth like those tiny little things that people don't even think about right? They don't think about, but there's so many little ways that we can actually practice this skill in our everyday life. Yeah, that is so true. Um, and before we move on from fitness into some of the other things you mentioned earlier, sometimes the biggest people in the gym are the most, you know, gentle and all of that. And and one of my theories is, yeah, the people who put so much energy into a goal, like sometimes you are running away from something, even if it's your own mind. So often the biggest best looking people in the gym are often the ones that are hurting the most and they just need that validation to fuel them or or they've got a lot of anger and a lot of energy and they're using that to fuel them which there's only so long you can do it it serves them at the time but um even like comp prep it's a very like you've got a goal like and if if you don't reach it the consequences are quite high you'll end up on a stage in a physique that you don't enjoy so I used that as a motivator in a good way like I wasn't talking down to myself but to as a use that as a motivator 
to get up early, to push, to do cardio sessions, to, you know, um, change my macros and all of that. But for now, like I don't have that sort of almost fear-based goal pushing Mm. me. So I'm not doing it. So I feel like you can use goals that are, are scary to actually get you results that you want. Um, so yeah, having a goal and, and having discipline is a great way to um, burn off that extra energy that you need, or you might feel, you know, down about one area of your life and you can channel that, but the levels can be a bit dangerous and, and a bit blurred if you don't um, be present during it and go, Hey, like, this is happening. I'm taking it a bit far now. I think like, how big can you get? How lean can you get? How strong can you get? When's the time that you sort of have a look at what's underneath and go, okay, this is what I'm actually sort of running away from. And it's a bit deep and you might need help, but yeah, (laughs) no, as in like, you might, yeah, you might need help from someone. Sorry. Um, but it comes to a point, it's like, if you're pushing and running and going and going, what am I running away from? Like, why, why is this energy so full on? So it's definitely worth if, you know, at a level that's safe to you to maybe start to dig in and say, okay, um, where's this coming from type thing? Mm, I think it also depends a lot on how, like how extreme you're willing to uh, take the goal. Like some people might have a goal of running a marathon, but that's a very big broad goal right? Like, are you going to get a sub three hour marathon? Are you going to train every day? Or are you just going to be that person that's like, oh, I'll go for a run every couple of weeks and I'll just push myself through a grueling, you know, 42 kilometer race. So it's about like, not every goal has the same um, participants, right? Like it's really about the the levels and the extremes that we're willing to go to. And obviously in, in sports, um, you see that because you see the top performers and like what you said, especially with competing. And I got asked this as well, the other day uh, in regards to steroids and something I was talking about was one of the biggest reasons why I'd never go down that pathway is because it it makes bodybuilding infinite there's no end date there's no limitation there's no end point right it's like well how much more can you do like you can always do more whereas when we get to a point with our own goals there's this there's signified transition and and finish points like what you've mentioned about competing like I finished you know I got I got what I wanted but if you always had the sense that there was more to give that you could give more that I could be better I could be bigger I could be leaner I could be stronger we all can but there becomes a point in our brain where we go what I would have to do to get to that is not worth the pain that I would go through or the suffering. So when you can reduce the pain and the suffering and make it easier for yourself, you're going to want to push a little bit more, right? And that's what I was saying in regards to things that give us superpower like steroids, you know, it allows you to get there more easily and sort of skip some of the the hard road or, you know, you'd never actually get to that level naturally. It's not physically possible. So I think it's about like you, you can reframe this in everything, right? There are some people that spend half their life studying at university and pushing through, right? Some people are addicted to that and just like becoming more and smarter and more qualified, you know, for what? There has to come an end point. Yeah. And, and that's so true. Like, I feel like we've all been through that phase of studying, you know, you and I both been to uni, but then um, it's tempting just to keep going. I mean, I spent Mm. eight years at uni because yeah, the first one was just to say that I went to uni type thing, didn't really have a game plan. I'm like, Oh my God, now I need to actually study something um, that does have an end point. So I think that point of having an end point or feeling somewhat satisfied and content with, with the outcome will allow you to put that energy towards other things. So it's not like I've 
decided to stop competing and now I'm just sitting doing nothing. It's like now I'm putting that energy that I was using into business. Yeah. Relationships Mm -hmm. and all of that. But I feel like it has to go like that because you can't just have that on energy into every element in your life, you know, otherwise, you know, you won't be great at anything. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not really about slowing down. And yes, there will be times where slowing down is the discipline as, as we've said, but it's like pick some key areas in your life where you want to be disciplined and you want to spend that energy and then focus on it for a period of time until you feel satisfied with it and then move to the next. I feel like that's a very sort of, broad term of how life can work with goals. Um, That's definitely what I've been doing. So studying again, it had to get to the point where it's like, okay, how many courses can I do? Like Mm. even after or during uni, I remember going to so many different courses. And then I had the realization like, hmm, a lot of these courses, A, they're conflicting, but I'm just spending all my money on these courses because I was still at uni. And then it's like, I'm not actually applying anything. And then as soon as I started applying, I said, oh, I actually don't need as many courses. And then that that study element became business and career. So there was that transition there. But again, it comes to the realization and you have to step back and go, okay, I started doing this because I needed a change. Why am I still on the train? Is it because I'm addicted to the feelings that this thing gives me? Like, or, or the validation or the knowledge or the people? Um, or have I not reached an endpoint? And if I haven't reached an endpoint, why? And for me, with study, it was because I wasn't applying it. So then you realize it, apply it, and then move on. Yeah, really well said. A lot of people listening to this will fall into a similar category as well. I can imagine like the the um, the compuls- compulsive people reading the 5am club and doing all the PD stuff and listening to all the podcasts and, you know, self-development. All of those things are incredible, but just like everything like when does it stop, especially with courses? Like I think we're always going to be learners. We're always going to be students forever. We love learning. We love, you know, reading books and doing those sorts of things. And that's amazing. We always want to be developing in some way. But my, I guess what I see a lot of, especially in the coaching fitness space is like a lot of people always jumping to the next course, the next qualification, the next certification, whatever it is. Uh, and in my sense, like I definitely went through a period of that, but then you like with a bit of reflection, it was only because I felt unqualified to do the jobs that I was actually qualified for. You know, I just didn't have the confidence, probably the experience. Um, I didn't have, you know, my, my toes in the water to really be able to get a sense. I thought that some shitty piece of paper would make me feel qualified enough. And it's not the case because then when I got the piece of papers, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like this is actually just the starting point. This is just what opens the gate. And then all the real learning actually starts. And yeah, you see this all the time where you'll see coaches where, you know, they might be struggling in a business sense, but they have done every certification under the sun. It's like, how's that going? You know, like, how's that helping? How are you applying it? Right. And that's something I'll ask myself now, if I ever look at a course or, um, you know, anything that takes time, like what's the value I'm going to get this? Because knowledge isn't enough anymore right like we have the internet knowledge is not enough even from a business business and coaching perspective we need to be able to have more than just a skill set now right and it sounds hard because if five years ago that wasn't the case you know whereas now we're moving into this new era where everyone's oversaturated with information and we need to be able to take that knowledge and put it into a practical standpoint and this is why for me like maybe like I don't know 
12, 24 months ago, I started to become more curious about things like communication and, you know, um, content creation and like just other areas that a lot of people neglect when it comes to the business side of things or the study side of things. And it would be easy. It was easy for me just to get lost in a book or, you know, find the next coaching course or the next program design course or whatever it was. But I sort of became curious about what do I actually need to develop the most to be able to get the furthest in front. I don't know if that makes sense or if that resonates. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And thank you for, for reflecting on that. Not only, you know, your thoughts when you were studying, but then you having that realization, like, Hey, you've done courses, but for your business now, content creation, communication and team building, building your staff, you've recognized, Hey, these are the areas now. So you've been able to transition um, to that, which is fantastic. And I think when someone is starting out, doing courses is great. Or if you see one course that catches your eye and you're like, oh, that's really interesting, go for it and do it. But what, Shirelle and I, what we're talking about is don't just jump from one to the next to the next to the next for the sake of it to feel as though the more like um, qualifications you have against your name, yeah, it, it's sometimes it's appealing to people. But if you can't use that, they're going to sort of come to you and go, well, I was misled because you said you've mm-hmm. learned all these things, but we're still not getting the outcome. Um, mm-hmm. What I do love about courses and, and just face-to-face events again is that connection and communication, like what you mentioned earlier, but in real time, being mm-hmm. humans, meeting friends in the industry. That is what I feel like is being filtered out. You and I had it at the start because the internet wasn't flourishing with as much fitness advice and, you know, people online. And yes, you can connect online, but it's always going to be different connecting with someone face to face. And you don't know who you're going to meet if you go to a course, but all you know is you've got similar interests with that person. So if you just meet one person, you know, that can just change your life. A lot of Mm. my best friends right now and closest people in my life have been from courses Mm. I don't even really remember what the information in the course was back then but you know that person still sticks with me today and we still have similar values because we met in an environment that drew like-minded people together so I think I don't want to see that die out anymore like we need that connection and you and I always talk about how even content creation it's going you know people are craving although reels and tiktoks and dance and entertainment is still number one like people are going to be drawn more towards podcasts and real life humans again and voices rather than just music and trending sounds. You know, we, we still need that connection. So um, that's my long winded way of saying, you know, courses are great. Don't get addicted to, to um, feeling as though you've got so many courses under your belt just for, for the sake of it, but go there to connect or go there to take away one piece, have an intention when you sign up to something, whether it be face-to-face online or a new book you buy, um, Mm -hmm. Focus on your intent from that action. Yeah, really good. I was even reflecting the other day. I have a lot of um, clients that are studying like in uni at the mm-hmm. moment. And um, I, when I hear about their experiences now in comparison to mine, like so different because I went to uni, I lived on campus. I lived in a big mm-hmm. dorm with like, you know, 15 boys and two other girls like you know and it was the most fun I've ever had right and I don't remember anything I learned in my (laughs) first year like peas get degrees that was my whole (laughs) motto through my first year of uni but I had so much fun like you know I still remember going to the lectures like hungover like 8am at the back (laughs) like after uni nights with my pen and paper like like, because there was no online 
it was no like, oh, just zoom in to the classroom. You had to mm. physically be there. And I met some of my best friends at uni, like, and I'm still good friends with a lot of them. Um, and that was amazing. Like my first couple of years of everything being in person, like, you know, 30 hours a week on campus at uni in classes, networking with my teachers, like having human interaction. But when I went back and did my postgrad, that was all online and I hated it. Like the, I just wanted my, um, I needed the, the postgrad qualification. Like in some industries, right, you can learn for fun, but in others you need a degree to be able to actually do the job. And that's what yeah. I was there for. So doing that online, like that was like pulling teeth. Uh, and I found myself not doing it properly, like skipping through the lectures, you know, doing the bare minimum just to try and like, um, you know, get the most out of the exams, like, and just pass and get a good grade rather than actually learn right like and get curious and get deep into the content I would just like try and uh like you know when you remember definitions and just be able to like recite like rote learning that's it like that's what I was really doing with my postgrad rather than with my bachelor like I wanted to go to class to sit with my girlfriends and do the team project together and there was always group assignments and it's just so different now and I even see with a lot of my own clients like they're so anxious, right? Like they, they're so worried in their first years of uni. I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, like just get through it. It'll be fine. I look back now and I'm like, geez, I had nothing to worry about, right? But I just think when you take away that human interaction with a lot of it, the process itself becomes so much less enjoyable. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's important to to share that. And my uni experience was the same. You, I partied for my first degree at um. Yeah, I won't say where because it's not relevant, but um, yeah, when I was doing my broad health science degree. But again, these people are still people that are in my life today and you have those memories and the memories pop up on Facebook. You're like, man, that was a cool party. And I've been hung over at lectures too. Once I had to call mom, I'm like, mom, I need to leave uni. Can you just bring some chicken nuggets? I feel so shit. Like, and then I went home. Like it, we've all been through that and you have to do it. And it just makes it so much more fun. But then as you get, through your degree a bit more yeah you know it's more um there's more on the line because you're like shit I can't be at uni forever let's make the most of this and then in my osteo degree again still really good friends with my small small crew from uni um but then you feel each other's stress almost not Mm. to heighten it but I couldn't imagine not having your uni mates there now to say oh my god this test coming up is really hard like you sort of have those thoughts only in your own mind and mm. then you probably think oh am I the only one that finds this hard or like am I the only one who's studying these crazy hours it's just nice to have people to to be together with and and share yep. those emotions and share the highs and the lows and and just have fun and then talk about things that aren't just about uni and mm. success and goal achievement and you know talk about random things together like yep. not having someone to connect with is really detrimental I think because not only are you in your own head a lot more and you can make up stories and and worries, but everything just seems so much more serious mm. because I don't know, everything's, everything's on you. And yes, we're talking about self-discipline, but then we also want to say like maybe self-discipline is also not being so hard on yourself. Mm, I feel absolutely. like I'm just talking to myself right now because yeah, yeah no, I think it's really hard on ourselves. You know what I mean? 
Well, connection makes being disciplined easier. Like I said, group assignments, you're rocking up, you're doing it together. And when you're working through something um, difficult, like we perceive everything as we are. So if we're stressed and we're um, reading an email, we're going to think that that person is reflecting what we're actually feeling. It might not be the case. And this is, you know, why emojis and those sorts of things are helpful, but that's not really appropriate in like an essay or a a response (laughs) to your lecturer or something like that, or even sometimes your coach, right? Like, not always appropriate um but I was just reflecting like how good was partying without social media back in the day like you'd take your your camera and that was the only form of like socializing you'd do is just getting a photo with like everyone yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you'd set it you'd set it right before everyone just had their phone out and like you know living through their screen or dressing up just to get the picture like I, I look back and I'm like man that was so much fun and I feel sorry for people that haven't experience that and there would be like our parents are probably like you guys have no idea what we went through what we, like you know we didn't have seatbelts guys like that literally that to meet at the local phone booth if they wanted to make a call god so different yep. you're right yeah I remember uh, my mom saying to me one time something about um you know there was a time where like if we didn't couldn't find our friend we just didn't find them and I was like why don't you just go home yeah, well, like oh. I'd message you and be like, Danny, where are you? Like, I'm over here near the water fountain. Of the I'm coming over. Yeah. Mum's like, yeah, we just, like, you wouldn't find them. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That's <laughs> weird. That's so weird. That's um, weird. Our whole club experience would be you spend half the night saying, where are you? Yes. Where are you? Sometimes a reception wouldn't be on. So then, like, 12 where are you messages would come. You're like, I'm just here. I'm on the oh, desk. Oh, so relax. <laughs> oh, reminiscing, right? Reminiscing. Yep. You'd lose your phone in the taxi. It wouldn't even matter. You'd be like, fine. It's so fine. Um, oh, my God. Oh, but here we are, right? And we live in a world now where that, where things are definitely a bit more um, tightly wound and we can be have access to so much information often, a lot of the times, way too much. Like at the yep. moment where we have the problem of knowing how to filter more than anything to be like, what's distraction and what's opportunity? And sometimes I'll ask myself that, like even if it is in regards to courses or learning or books or anything that's going to take time and energy, is this an opportunity for growth or is this a distraction away from the area I need to invest in? And self-discipline for me at the moment is learning to say no. Honestly, like the the more things you say yes to, the more things that come along. And the bigger you get and I guess the better you are at what you do, the more opportunities get presented. And not everything that you say no to is a bad thing. Like sometimes you've got to say no to the things that you want to do because something else is more important. And to me, that's a really essential part of self-discipline that a lot of people don't respect. They're just yes men and people pleasers and they'll do all the things. And sometimes I catch myself out being like, okay, is this what I really want to do? Or am I feeling bad that I'm going to let someone else down or feeling like I need to, you know, pick up weight in some areas or whatever it might be. And it's like, actually, no, is this serving me? Is this for my best self or is this just going to take a little bit from my cup, which means I have to fill that up from somewhere else? Yeah, you're so right. And as you become more established, you know, in yourself um, career-wise and just personally, you really begin to know what you need to say yes to and no to. When you're young and exploring and not really set in your career direction, it's, it's important to say yes just to have that trial and error part, um, whether it be socially, whether it be career opportunities. But then, as you said, once you get more established, it begins to be distractions and then it can dilute what you're actually doing with your life and with business and career. And, you know, often I come, you and I uh, have ideas on, on what to do and 
you know, sometimes I find myself getting a bit excited about things and then you you always ground me and say, keep the main thing, the main thing. And now that's really stuck with me because if you start to branch out into too many areas, it can dilute the main service mm-hmm. that you're giving. Yeah. But I think social media is definitely a culprit for that because you see so many people doing so many different things and then, but you don't actually get to see how exhausted they are or why they're doing it. Um, Or maybe they're doing so many different things and they have a lot of followers, but there's no revenue to follow that because they don't have a process to actually get clients on board, stuff like that. So it can be so misleading. Um, Even, even, oh no, we'll stick on careers, but then I want to carry that into relationships because that's Mm. another thing as well. But yeah, um, for business and career, as Sherelle Grant always says, keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's a good point because I watch people all the time, like another ebook, another challenge, another thing. They're always creating and it's like a, a once buy off. And then again, and, and that's a lot of work for you. And I think your audience get confused. And we did a, a great podcast on um, like brand building and, and business uh, a couple, probably about a month ago now. And I think we spoke a lot about direction with that and knowing how to gauge your moral compass of what pathway you should be going into. And it comes back to that distraction versus opportunity and keeping that main thing, the main thing so that you can keep getting good at. There's a really good business coach and I like listening to his stuff and he talks about um, being a million dollar coach. Like don't create something new until you're earning a million dollars revenue from that thing because you really need to be scaling something and I was like whoa like there's definitely a lot of people who don't who don't align with that but um and that's so fine but that's definitely the the mentality that I'm like like get really freaking good at your craft at what you do at the the product that you made at the service that you do at the people that you serve so that you become renowned for that rather than just like you know in the in the top I don't know 60% of everyone else like that's not really where you want to be you want to be sort of one of the greats of what you're actually good at and some people don't have that ambition and that's totally fine I'm saying for those people that do really want to push the envelope and and get to that next level it requires a level of discipline that you can't uh, obtain through spreading yourself thin across a lot of different areas a lot of different programs a lot of different um, services and um Something I was actually saying to Luke the other day, I was like, how do you know when to stop? Like, that's also another level of self-discipline It's like, you know, like if you're good at what you do and you're passionate about what you do and you do the work, right? Like you can just grow and grow and grow and you can do whatever you want, right? Like you can do everything. But then, as you said, Danny, like there's always a cost, every staff member, every time you scale a bit more, every product, every everything that you add, it takes a little bit more, right? From somewhere, it has to come from somewhere. So it's about realizing what the actual end goal is. And like, I don't know what that is for me. I'm not sure. I don't know yet, but it's something about, I always check in. I'm like, how do you know, like when to stop, when to consolidate, what that looks like, you know, when you sort of sit on maintenance mode, when you stop uh, innovating and, and stop moving forward because yeah, like other areas have to suffer that like whenever you say yes, you're saying no to something else. And at the moment, like I always look at my calendar, I always look at my life and I'm like, what can I afford to say no to? And at the moment, there's not much, like I can't afford to say no to many other things. So that for me is like, okay, I can't say no to anything else. Everything at the moment is a priority to me. So that means I can't say yes. And that's when other opportunities come in, other things that might sound exciting and fun, but it's almost like a shiny new, like, ooh. And I'm like, oh, no, distraction, not opportunity. Oh, I love that. And that is the golden question, isn't it? How do you, you know, how do you know when to stop? And 
I think I feel like knowing when to stop or change or pivot because the word stop for us high achievers is like poison. Um, so pivoting, um, I feel like it's an intuition personally, just looking back when you're in it, when you're climbing, when you're growing, just ride it out. And then I feel like, I don't know, I've been using fitness as an example of study or whatever. You learn or you get a feeling and it comes with work and being able to actually look within because um, some people just get taken on the ride forever for the rest of their life and, you know, miss opportunities. But being able to, to look in and say, hmm, okay, things are running smoothly in my career. I've sort of got systems and processes that are allowing me to say no to things and then create free time. What am I missing? Is it a relationship? Is it a hobby? Is it, you know, all of the other things that have been neglected? I feel like it's hard to say, I'm going to spend more time with family when I earn X amount of money. Like that's, I still think forward thinking, yes, it's important, but I feel like we put too much emphasis on it or emphasis on a specific goal that doesn't actually reflect the feeling and the lifestyle. It just looks good on paper, you know, a million dollars and $2 million, whatever. But then what does that lifestyle actually look like? Does it mean mm. you're working around the clock? Does it mean you won't have time to go to the gym anymore? Does it mean you won't have time to catch up with friends anymore? So I feel like it's important to apply yourself, get all the feelings and, and all the good things from a goal, make your systems really smooth. So, you know, for example, hiring staff and teaching them the processes to allow you to put your energy elsewhere. But I reckon it just comes from a feeling, to be honest, because the other day I'm in just such a transitional point of life where, I don't know, it's stemmed by not spending much time in, um, I think, just hobbies and, and lighthearted things because I've been so on and so masculine energy for so long, which has been great. And I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. But the other day, like a Metallica song came on the radio and I'm like, I'm going to buy a guitar again. So this weekend I'm going to go buy my guitar. So not as good as Luke, obviously. And don't anyone ask me to play because it's been 10 years. But I just had that intuition going, I miss like hobbies and that I bought like some coins. So I'm going to start coin collecting again and doing all my nerdy that. little things yep. that I would do as a kid. I'm going to play my guitar. And I don't know. I just feel like, again, I, I want to sort of go back and, and, to go forward almost, but just spend more time in relationships. You know, mum's flying up. We're going to get our nails done and do all that stuff yep. again that that I'd really had the off switch, like, and yep. completely off, not even dialed down. It was off. No time for, for music, drawing, hobbies, whatever. I, I compromised that. I compromised my relationships, being single for so long, didn't want to put energy into it. Now things are, are going smooth in the other areas that, you know, after 10 years of hustling and doing whatever, now the intuition struck and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go the other way. With, mm. I'm not going to let career drop and all of that because they're running in a way that they can, but allowing that time a little bit more to now sort of change direction a bit. Yeah, I love that, right? And that's, again, like that self-compassion piece um, with self-discipline. And you've been able to get to that point, which is incredible. And it's definitely something that, like, I think we all need to be doing from time to time is having that check-in to be like, yes, 
I can work hard and yes, I can, you know, accomplish this and do that, but I better be enjoying it along the way. And I think what's the point of creating like financial freedom or time for yourself or whatever it might be. Sorry, maybe not even time. What's the point of creating wealth products and services, brands, exceptional things that you're proud of if you can't enjoy the lifestyle that comes with it. And I think a lot of people get caught up in creating all of this stuff and not thinking about the lifestyle and the time, like, because like I said, every, every new level requires a bit more time from you, unless you're doing it in a sort of, different way but at the start you're always going to be going through growing pains where there's no way out of it you have to put it in so I think making sure that you're disciplined with like having periods of time off and like what you said like hobbies and interests and trying to enjoy that like the the growing side of things and you know the the I guess the the worry and the doubt that comes with it all like just trying to pause and be like okay like I'm choosing this and I'm just going through this at the moment but I'm going to make sure that I include these things along the way it's so important because for a lot of us high achievers like we are addicted to instant gratification of the next um, milestone achieving the next goal you know hitting another high month getting more clients like we're that's instant gratification for us we can see it we can feel it as it happens long-term gratification is thinking about the lifestyle I want in 15 to 20 years you know all the family um you know like the family outings that I want to make sure that I can include or the family I want to make sure I can have like we're not thinking about that because it's far away we can get too caught up in the day by day ticking the boxes crossing the t's dotting the i's because it feels good for a lot of people like us we're accomplishing right but we don't think about the things that we say are most important to us we say family and friends relationships oh it's the most important thing Mm. for me but then how many times do we push it to the wayside, right? And it it doesn't show. And action's always going to speak louder than words. So I think it's always going to be that check-in process. And we go through those phases, like you said, Danny, sometimes for years, some people for lifetimes. You know, they get to the back end of their life and they go, okay, now I'm ready to have a relationship and a family. And I'm like, it's too late. Too late. It's Mm. too late. And it's really sad because what's the point of having all the money, like the biggest businesses, like companies, cars, what's the point of having it all if you're honestly doing it on your own. Like to me, that's, that's something I'm already thinking about because you can see it in the world. And I'm like, that just looks miserable to me. Yeah. And then throwing in that false illusion of connection through phones and all of that. But it's like, when was the last time you just sat with a loved one, had a cup of tea or coffee without a phone and just stared at them and felt their energy and asked them how they are and and you were present with them? You know, um, not all of us have the luxury to be able to um, take time off work and that's okay, but you still need to make an effort every now and then to do that, particularly Mm. the way the world is going um, with all the pandemic that have happened you know got rid of our connection but then um, also technology is removing connection as well Mm. and yes it can facilitate you meeting people and and talking online but we need to put that effort into face-to-face connection um, when we feel ready I mean I I decided naturally just to um, not spend as much effort with family or time with family back then because in my head it was slowing me down type thing or my friends if I was out going out every weekend you know what I mean it's holding you back type thing and that's fine but I'm glad I had the realization when I moved states just actually how important that is because maybe they're not always going to be there and sometimes the realization can be a bit too late um so I'm just glad I didn't sort of have that regret and was able to catch myself out after that period of time a couple of years it was um so now I feel like I'm kind of making up 
lost time almost. I don't know, it's weird mind games, but um, even, you know, meeting a new partner, for example, like I feel like with all the dating apps, it's like bloody online shopping and you you would know what they're about. Obviously you've been with Luke a very long time, but the emergence of dating apps, yes, they're great. And some we met on Tinder. <laughs> oh, there you go. How we long met ago it. was that? Oh, uh, seven years, eight years. We oh, so it's um, been around that long. Yeah, yep. We were on. I he he won't admit it, but I'm like, I swear <laughs> we did meet on Tinder, and he's like, no, we met in the library. I'm like, right. Oh, that's okay. bullshit. <laughs> but Tinder, I don't know if it still is, but Tinder used to work on like a a radius. Yeah, it still um, does. Yeah. yeah, it still does. Yeah. Um, so it would find the people like around you in the area, and <laughs> I remember I first got it when it was like brand new. So it was like a all the when it wasn't of- creepy. Yeah, when it wasn't creepy, it was mm. literally like just, it was the first time something like that had been made. So yeah. um, I still have the screenshot on my phone of when we matched and it come oh. up. I still have the screenshot. <laughs> That's so good. Well, there you go. I mean, so it is beautiful to meet people online. But and he that. still asked for my number in person. So That's nice. That yeah. never happens anymore. Do people do that? I don't remember anyone's mobile number, let alone sometimes my <laughs> own. You know what I mean? You forget almost. But Hopefully oh, people yeah, still fun. do. Like, I mean, so it is It is good to meet people. Um, obviously, I met Paul because we're in completely different states, but the communication and the connection and then not having the temptation to, oh, I'll just log on the app and see who else is there type thing. Like, that's really hard because there are so many people just throwing themselves out there now and you get to really have an insight on, on all these people and validation and then false appearances and filters and it's all really fake and we're getting caught up in that instant gratification in our work in our fitness in our nutrition in everything we do that of course it's going to cross over into relationships and Mm -hmm. when things get hard you know you need to just not go on to the next thing obviously within reasons and we're not going to turn this into a whole relationship podcast but what I've learned, things are going to be hard sometimes. And it doesn't mean you go to the next swipe or to the next thing, or, you know, you need to actually work on it. So I feel like, again, relationships are just becoming more transparent, whether it be friends, whether it be partners or anything, um, just because it's all following that trend of quick moving, changing and all of that. Yeah. Well, it's just like anything, honestly, like people always get that grass is greener on the other side sort of mentality when it comes to relationships and they see other people on the internet that perceive as being really happy. And it's sort of like, well, you know, a lot of people just smile for the camera and post it. And, you know, they're not even talking to each other. They sit on the couch on their phone next to each other, posting a photo that they got. So like (laughs) Luke and I have been obviously together for a long time, like a long, like seven, eight years. Um, And that's just dating. Like we're seeing each other before then too. So I think when you're in a relationship for a long period of time, like you, you learn how to commit to each other and get through hard times. And let me tell you, like lockdown in a single bedroom apartment was tough Mm. for us. Like we've definitely had our hiccups, but honestly, self-discipline with relationships is so important because you need to make time for them. And it would be so easy for me to go, oh no, I'll just spend that extra time at the gym. I'll spend that extra time in business. I'll, you know, or whatever it might be, but no, like relationships don't work unless you do. And it's not always sunshine and rainbow like you're going to go through periods just like motivation in the gym you're going to go through periods with your relationship you think it's great it's awesome I'm so lucky and then periods where you're like oh it could be better you know and and that's normal like you know if you want to prepare yourself for marriage and those sorts of things like you have to expect that with like your sex life your relationship in general like everything everything in life's going to have ebbs and flows 
Yeah, for sure. And then and then to put it on the other phase, you mentioned, oh, maybe I'll just spend extra time at the gym or doing this, but then the opposite. Sometimes you can let all your goals go because mm. you're just so infatuated with a new life, a new person and all of that where you've got to have that self-discipline on the other scale to actually still stick with your routines and, you know, find some sort of level of compromise as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy, but it's important to still, you know, stay disciplined in what you love doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Boundaries and respecting each other. It comes up in so many different areas. And I really feel like today we just wanted to have a little bit of a chat about self-discipline as a whole. And as you can see, like self-discipline is not a bad thing. It's not a punishment. It's not, it's not um, staying structured or accountable out of fear. Like when you can have self-discipline because you want the best of yourself, of your business, of your, of your body, of your relationships, like it comes from a place of almost self-compassion tied in with working hard and choosing the harder challenge. And it leads to success. It leads to amazing outcomes. And I would challenge every Everyone to think about like how do I need to practice self-discipline is there areas of my life where I have more self-discipline than others or am I still leaning towards that accountability accountability or punishment style yeah brilliant and know that you can't be on in every single area of your life it's going to change mm-hmm. and grow as you do but I think the key is to to not give up when things get challenging because that's the whole point of it um, and to really spend some time to tune in when you can like if your emotions aren't completely heightened you know if you get yourself in a good mindset where you can tune in and say right why am I still doing this? If it's a positive outcome, great, ride it. If, if it's covering up something, sort of say, hmm, maybe there's another way. So just yeah. tune in as well. Yeah, really well said. So in saying that, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode on self-discipline. If you did, please do take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram story. Thanks, everyone.